0: Not drinking tonight? Isn't Becky drinking tonight? Not drinking tonight? Oh, not drinking tonight? Oh, joking. She's not drinking tonight? (laughs) Yeah, right. Pardon? Who? Yeah. Who loves birthdays? Everyone, right? I mean, what's not to love? The presents, the attention, the cake. It's all so wonderful, isn't it? For me, birthdays for a long time were all about the alcohol, the bills, the regrets, the apologies, and the failed expectations. Now I'm not going to say my birthdays are cursed, but maybe they are. And during this episode, we're going to explore why I placed such ridiculously high expectations on my birthday, and how the fear of failure led me to spending too much money to impress people who didn't really like me, and how year after year I ended up wasted to quieten the pain of failed expectations. Warning as always, this podcast contains foul language and foul personality traits, but for something new, I'll throw in some cult stuff too. Okay, let's get going. So, my first birthday on the earth was spent in hospital, according to my parents. I can't remember what they said was wrong or why I was in there, but essentially that should have been a divine sign that my birthdays were going to be subpar from here on out. The first birthday I actually remember celebrating was when I was five years old. My mother whipped out the old Woman's Weekly Birthday Cake book and made a cake that resembled a fairy or a princess or something of the sort and invited all my friends from preschool. Now if there is one good thing I can say about my mother spoiler alert, there's not many, it is that she knew how to make fun activities that were a little outside of the box. So for my birthday we played this game where she tied donuts to a string and attached them to the clothesline. Each child was told to hold their hands behind their back while she would spin the clothesline and we had to try and catch the donuts with our mouth. Me, being as competitive as fuck, decided this whole hands behind our back thing was just not on. So you know, I cheated and got most of the donuts. My mother was absolutely furious and made me sit by myself in my room to contemplate what I had done. Just saying, anyone should be allowed to eat as many donuts as they like on their birthday without reprimand. It should be a rule. Then, I got in more trouble because I had decided to go riding on my new bike in my fairy costume, and being the grub I was, I managed to get it tangled up inside the bike chains and destroyed the dress. Yeah, turning five is rough, man. Fast forward a year or two, and my mother had decided to join the Jehovah's Witness. Now, I just had an argument with my husband the other night about whether this is technically a cult or not. Part of me, after experiencing the inside workings of it from a young age until I was maybe 14 or so, believes that, no, it's not a cult, it's just a religious group with some weird rules. But then there are things that probably really separate it from your normal church groups. For instance, they work to distance you from people who have ceased being JWs because they are essentially evil, infected, and labelled as apostate. I remember on several occasions after our meetings, there would be discussions about how sad it was that so-and-so's daughter was cut off from the family because she had become an apostate. Hell, I even witnessed with my own two eyes the shunning of a woman who spoke out against her ex-husband because he molested her daughter. He was allowed to stay within the group, but the mother and daughter were outcast and bullied for making such accusations. They weren't allowed to talk to any other Jehovah's Witness for a long time. One often overlooked fact of Jehovah's Witnesses is that they choose not to celebrate any birthdays because this is a creation of fake Christians and there is no mention of birthday celebrations in the Bible. So, as children, we quite often didn't celebrate birthdays. We would have special days around birthdays where everyone got a small present, but there were no actual birthdays. Okay. Let me clarify, my brothers got birthdays and so did my little sister. I even have photos of the elaborate birthday cake creations my mother made for them. And my little sister gained her nickname, Miss Piggy, because she absolutely loved cake and on several occasions ruined said birthday cakes because she would sneak into the fridge and grab a handful of it in a midnight escapade. But in the photos between the ages of 5 and 10, there is none of me on my birthdays. I'm sure my brothers missed some here and there, but for the most part it seems like their birthdays were important enough to celebrate. So I suppose in my mind I created this belief that I wasn't important, therefore I got no cake. Seems healthy for a child to believe, right? I often wondered if it was because my birthday was a day before my paternal grandmother's, and my mother absolutely hated her. I often thought I was so lucky to have my birthday the day before, and to this day consider her my guardian angel but perhaps the timing of my birthday was just a reminder that I was an evil witch just like her, according to my mother at least. The one birthday during those years that I do remember something special happening was for my eighth birthday. Up until this point, I was a tomboy, but now I had a little sister and my mother, for some reason, decided it was time that I started acting more like a girl. So a day or two after my birthday, because God forbid, I mean, Jehovah forbid I actually did something special on my birthday, she decided that I should get my ears pierced. I really didn't want to, nor did I care for it, and tried my hardest to get out of it. She didn't budge, so it happened, and within a week I had purposely left my earrings out and the holes had closed over. My mother was absolutely furious with me. Furious that I would waste her money and time, that I would go out of my way to make her look stupid for doing something special for me when I clearly had no respect for it. She woke me up one night, really late, and she sat me in the kitchen. She told me I would have my ears pierced, but now I would have to do it the hard way. So she took some ice cubes and pulled out a pin that she had heated on the stove and pierced my ears herself. Actually come to think of it, I don't think there were ice cubes. I remember her placing an apple behind my ear. I do remember that it was so incredibly painful. I remember screaming and crying and waking everyone up. She told me to stop overreacting and that I should be grateful because most mothers wouldn't do something like this. Yeah, thanks mum. Fast forward to the year 2000. What a marvellous year that was. It was the year that my mother kidnapped us my 10th birthday was a blast a few months or weeks prior my mother and eldest brother had stood in our steep driveway and confronted me they told me it was best that i no longer live there and that i was no longer welcome and i would be best living somewhere else yeah i was kicked out of my own home at 10 years old and the only way i could contact anyone was to take some coins that i had hidden and go to a public phone to call my father and ask if i could live with him Things didn't work out great because I was mentally in such a weird and confusing place and I ended up moving back in with my mum a few weeks later. Turns out she was just trying to teach me a lesson on how horrible my life would be if I lived with my father. I didn't see it that way, but I also knew he wasn't really prepared to take on a child with such little warning. Because I had been so disobedient and needed to be punished for my insolence, my birthday once again was off the table. I remember when my dad could finally see me after my mother had refused to let him inside or conveniently failed to be home when he tried to visit, and he gave me the CD single of Bardo's song, Poison. It was by far one of the best birthday presents I had ever received, and the only one I received for my 10th birthday. It was actually the only acknowledgement that I had even become a year older. One night, a few months later, she, my mother that is, secretly moved us to Brisbane. She didn't tell the school, didn't tell the real estate, didn't even tell the neighbors cock too, who spoke to her on a regular basis to tell her that the neighbors were big time drug dealers. She just packed up our entire lives and moved us a thousand kilometers away from the place we called home. While I'd love to go into further depth about this really fucking weird time in my life where, you know, my mother kidnapped me, the stories are probably best saved for a later episode. So, from the ages of 11 to 13, my dad went out of his way to ensure I had a great birthday. He allowed me to invite friends over for sleepovers, we'd rent movies out at Blockbuster and stay up all night eating junk food. It wasn't cheap for a man who was raising five children on Centrelink, but he tried his best to make it work for us. Finally, it felt like I had the birthdays that I had wanted all those years ago, and I tried to go out of my way to make them as fun as possible. I would always end up feeling depressed when they were over because in those moments of having people around me, I felt so happy and fulfilled and it was a much-needed distraction from the otherwise really shitty life I felt I was living. In 2006, it was my 16th birthday, and that night in particular, I demonstrated my absolute disdain for strawberries by disrespecting my stepmom when she bought me a birthday cake in goodwill that was covered in them. I was so extremely rude and refused to eat the cake because it was not what I wanted. I know it broke her heart and pissed off my dad too, but at the time I was trying to have the best time ever by celebrating with my high school friends and boyfriend at Pizza Hut. It was back in the days where Pizza Hut had a charge of about $60 a head for all you can eat pizza and dessert. And for my dad, it was expensive because while he didn't pay for my friends, he paid for the whole family, which if you add it up, isn't cheap. But he did it because I demanded it, because I wanted to have a good birthday. I wanted an epic sweet 16. I didn't care the cost it took on my relationships or his wallet. After that night, he made it clear that it wouldn't happen again because of my attitude and clear lack of respect for him or my stepmom. It was also that night that I lost my virginity, which was something I was really excited about. I was so ready to go that extra step with my boyfriend of one whole year. As we were both virgins, it was new territory for both of us. He really tried to make it romantic, and me and my typical style of not knowing what is and isn't appropriate to say at a given moments ruined it in several ways. Firstly, I chose a condom that was glow in the dark and was green, and I proceeded to make noises that, you know, lightsabers make while pretending his penis was one. Secondly, when we discovered his tiny little car was really not comfortable at all to try and lose your virginity in, I suggested we move outside and proceeded to be stabbed in the back by sharp rocks and attacked by hordes of mosquitoes. And thirdly, for my grand finale, after it only lasted maybe five, ten seconds tops, I said, wow, is that it? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, those were my first words after I lost my virginity. Oh. And yes, I should point out by this point in time I had one or two cruises, so perhaps I can blame it on the alcohol, but perhaps it was just me being a really shitty human being once again. Fast forward to 2008, my 18th birthday. I'll breeze over this one because I've discussed it in prior episodes, but essentially it was a clusterfuck of me making bad choices and decisions and blaming it on others. Two weeks before my birthday I made a fake ID, which was actually pretty easy to do considering in those days Queensland's driver's license were nothing more than a laminated piece of paper with your photo on it and career new font. Except I forgot they had a watermark on it, and that was only visible via ultraviolet light. So yeah, while it worked at a number of low-key trashy joints, it was confiscated off me at The Family, which was a three or four level club in the valley in Brisbane known for its drug-friendly culture. When my birthday arrived, it turned out my first love, the one with the lightsaber penis, had conveniently chatted up the juice maker at Bruce Juice, and so while we were in Surface paradise and meant to be celebrating my birthday, I spent most of my time plotting on how to destroy his attraction to her and also hook up with his best friend to make him jealous. Oh, I also got my first tattoo, a butterfly on the back of my neck, which is super deep. Anyway, I always said it was in tribute to my grandma because, you know, that's what rebellious 18 year olds do. When I lost contact with my mother, I always made a promise that by a certain birthday, I would be in contact with her again, and we would have this amazing relationship that would magically heal all the wounds and scars that she had left years ago. What I didn't count on was the fact that she really was mentally unwell, and that no amount of time could necessarily change how she viewed me and her viewpoint on the world. For my 18th birthday, I waited for a phone call from her. Of course, I didn't get it, so I decided to call her myself. I got really drunk in my cupboard on a cheap bottle of Pisco Sour and I proceeded to call her. It didn't go how I planned, I don't really know what I expected, but it was something along the lines of her telling me how proud she was of me and how great I was as a human being and how magically we would have this amazing mother and daughter bond. Instead, she proceeded to tell me over an hour or so how she was happy that she'd moved on with her own life and that she had a new family now that replaced her old family, that she really didn't care and didn't want any contact with us and that it was our own faults for taking our father's side over hers and that we got what we deserved. A few weeks after that, I wanted to go and see her parents, my maternal grandparents. I hadn't seen them since I was maybe 10. Since my dad got custody of us, they really just stopped all contact with us. I decided to surprise them, so I just turned up at their property one day. Anyway, my Nana and granddad were really not that excited to see me. They remarked that I should have called first or that I should have given them some kind of warning because it was just impolite to show up and expect that a relationship could suddenly be mended after years of not seeing each other. It left me absolutely gutted and I just realized that no one really cared that I turned 18. There was nothing that really made anything about it special and in particular my mother and her side of the family had basically forgotten about me and had no desire to form a new relationship of any sort with me. Anyway, to make up for the shit show of my 18th, I spent my 19th, 20th and 21st wasting copious amounts of money trying to impress people and ensure I didn't have a terrible birthday. I legitimately spent $2000 on my 19th and about $5000 on my 20th and 21st birthdays. It was a mixture of venue hire, photographer hire, hammer hire, bar tabs, dresses, food and all these things that really didn't matter that much to me but made me feel like I was loved and that my birthday was important. I had friends finally, and they came to my parties and had fun and therefore all my insecurities were invalid and would hide away for that one night. Then for the weeks and months that followed, I would question why I thought I was okay to put myself in so much credit card debt for the sake of one night. I had also noticed that a lot of these people I would invite to these events would disappear from my life for a while, like they only liked me or want to spend time with me if essentially I paid for them to do so. So, my insecurities would become worse and worse and I'd drink to quieten them. I didn't really do much for my birthdays after my 21st, probably because I was living back in my hometown and I didn't have many friends to celebrate with. It wasn't that I didn't want to celebrate, but just that the thought of having a birthday when no one would even want to spend it with me made me more depressed than before. When I moved to Melbourne, I faced a new kind of challenge. My 25th birthday, one that everyone seemed to be celebrating as a milestone, was one of the saddest birthdays. I had met a few girls at hockey, but was not really in a place to invite them as I was more worried about the rejection than anything else, or making a fool of myself. My husband tried to cheer me up by inviting one of his friends and my older cousin, but all in all it was a pretty shitty day. Social media didn't help at all, as my feed was flooded with images that year of big celebrations, and mine wasn't even worthy of being called a celebration. It was, well, four people drinking overpriced cocktails at a rooftop bar. I lashed out at my boyfriend for his lack of planning, for his failure to get me a cake, and overall because I just felt so alone and depressed in this city that I had moved to because he had promised me it would be infinitely better than my hometown. This... Drunken rage-filled hatred was a common occurrence when I was feeling the most insecure about my worth and quite often occurred around my birthdays. But then for my 26th, or as I called it, my 25th plus one, I went back to what I knew, which was throwing a big party and paying for people to attend. I had such a great time, got so drunk I pole danced in a dress too short for young eyes and made a massive drunken fool of myself. But once again, I told myself this was better than only spending it with one or two people. The last birthday I celebrated drunk was my 28th, yes that fateful year, 2018, that saw me give up alcohol altogether. See, by this point in time I was in hospital again and we had only just returned from Russia. My beautiful cousins who have been like sisters to me over the years visited on the weekend before my birthday and brought in such wonderful care packages and spent a decent amount of time with me in a crazy ward. I was embarrassed and ashamed for them to see me in such a place and state, but they refused to take my excuses and my pushing them away, and came all the same, just to lighten up my day. I'd pushed some other friends away who had asked to come, because I was genuinely too embarrassed. I didn't want anyone to associate this place and this state of mind with me, so I pushed everyone away during those first few weeks of being in hospital. When my actual birthday arrived, I just wanted a distraction. I wanted to go out into the world and have a night that would make me feel better. What ended up happening was the end of my drinking for good. See, that night I had invited as many people as I could. It was short notice, perhaps a week's notice at max, I think, but people's failure to attend an overpriced piano bar on a Tuesday night made me feel absolutely worthless. See, everyone at this point knew I was in hospital and knew I was at my lowest point. I hadn't made a secret of how suicidal I had been or how this was my last chance to get my shit together. So I rationalised that this meant people would pay attention to me on this one particular birthday and would go out of their way to make it special for me, because that was what I deserved. When only a handful of people showed up, I thought this meant that no one really cared. I spent close to an hour bawling my eyes out in the bathroom and telling myself over and over again that this deep, hollow feeling was what I deserved. It was a sign of how unloved I was. That I would, as my mother had told me time and time again, die alone. And this was my proof. My cousins found me in the bathroom and comforted me, confessing they too always felt disappointed by their birthdays, probably because society places this expectation on us from a young age that they will be something wonderful and special and that the world will stop and worship us for one day. And yet, genuinely, no one really gives a shit. It's just another day and has no significance whatsoever. Feeling humiliated and determined to turn the night around, I went back to my old vices. I ordered a mojito from the bar, and when my husband noticed this, he came over to ask if that was a smart choice. I lost it at him, and berated him, and told him he was the reason I needed to drink because he had once again failed me so terribly on a birthday that I had no choice but to drink to make myself feel better. It was one of those surreal out-of-body experiences where it genuinely didn't feel like I was speaking the words. It felt as though this horrible, vindictive snake had stolen my voice and was using it to cause severe hurt and pain to the person I love the most, because somehow it would justify how shitty I was feeling at that point in time. Don't worry, my hateful tirade didn't end there. I also took it out on one of my best friends and my family. See, they forgot to call for my birthday, and when they finally remembered it was like 10 o'clock at night, if not later, I lost my shit at them. I told them how low and unloved they made me feel, and all around made them feel like they were the reason I was in hospital. It's easier for me to say right now that I don't recognise that person, that spiteful, hateful woman, but I know that that's me. I know that inside me are words and anger that spew out like venom and ruin relationships for good. It's as if my two go-to's are, I don't want to feel this way, so I'll kill myself, or I want other people to feel as terribly alone and sad as I do. I want them to feel as low as I do right now. I think, all in all, it's part of my fucked up fight-or-flight mentality, and it just so happens that when I'm drunk, that mentality is escalated to the extremes. When I got back to the hospital later that night, I knew as I left the car that I'd pushed my husband to the edge, that I had said and done enough hurtful things in that one night, fueled by alcohol, to make him leave me for good. And part of me was relieved because it would mean my self-fulfilling prophecy was finally met that I would be alone and that would be enough to make me end it all because I had finally lost the one person who loved me entirely. When I got back inside the hospital, I was greeted by one of the night nurses who was this old Scottish guy in his 60s and looked like a traditional old bikey with the really long beard and rough skin. He was genuinely the nicest and most understanding nurse I have ever met in all my times of being in hospital. Instead of forcing the breathalyzer on me as he held it in his hand, he sat me down and we spoke until about 3am about how expectations are the biggest source of disappointment. See, he's a practicing Buddhist and he finally found a career that made him feel like he had met his purpose in life. He gave him a never-ending source of satisfaction, even when he had to deal with melodramatic young women who had had a bad birthday. He felt like he could give me something, and that was just knowledge. I wish I could say that since that night where I almost lost everyone, every birthday since has been easy breezy with no expectations and no drama, but this year proved me wrong. COVID meant that I couldn't really do anything to celebrate, but for some stupid reason, I still expected that my husband or my family would have planned something amazing. They didn't, and while I should have just shrugged this off, I, of course, picked fights with them over it. After all, this was my 30th, and they could have done something. Anything, right? Though I did get a nice surprise from a friend who sent me two dozen fresh oysters. It felt like everyone else just forgot. Sure, there was a nice Zoom call and FaceTime with friends interstate and overseas, but for whatever reason, this just wasn't enough. My husband even remembered to get me a birthday cake this year, which is only the second time he has remembered, but I still lashed out at him, lashed out at my family, and ended up spending an hour or two crying before deciding to take 150 milligrams of Finergan and passing out for two days straight. When I woke up, I didn't care anymore. It was over. And done it was no longer my birthday. I no longer had to worry about failed expectations and had enough time to now apologize for overreacting. But here's the thing, it didn't stop there. I found out only a few weeks ago that my family had sent my brother some presents for his birthday. Yet most of them didn't even call me. I didn't get a family card like I usually always did and the only present I received was a gorgeous phone cover that my little sister sent me. Seeing that he received presents, that he was remembered, and his birthday was celebrated sent me straight back to my childhood. Those days of not celebrating my birthday because Jehovah's Witnesses don't, the time my mother ruled out me having any birthday because I was trying to repent for whatever mistakes I had made that had led me to being homeless, and the days where I wasn't allowed my own donuts because I was a greedy and spoiled little bitch who ruined her own birthday party. It all came rushing back to me, and I was again in that fight-or-flight mode. But this time, I chose flight. I chose to tell my family I was done trying to win their love and affection, when it was clear I would never be deserving of it. I decided I no longer wanted to fight or argue, and that it was best I just exited from their family. See, this is the thing with trauma. It doesn't matter if you go through years of therapy, sometimes it will just sneak up on you and get you when you least expect it. But thank God I wasn't drinking, because if I was, all I can assume is that I would have tarnished those relationships in a worse way and not have come out and made an active choice as much as made a forced fight for love and affection that I was never really going to get. The one thing that stood out to me this year was that there were only two people that remembered why that day, my birthday, May 9, was so special. It was my cousin's the ones who have been there for me through thick and thin and have seen the worst of me yet still chose to love me the only family that visited me those two years ago when i was on my last leg and ready to give up for good they both messaged me separately and remarked how proud of me they were reminded me that it was okay if my birthday sucked because most of them did but that i should at least celebrate being sober for two years because that was something that i had achieved worked hard at and should be proud of So, you might ask, why am I doing this episode now if my birthday was all the way back in May? Well, it's officially been two and a half years of being sober, only four days ago. And while I didn't do anything special or celebrated, it's genuinely the one thing I have done that I have no regrets on. I might still have major issues to work through with my birthday, but from here on in, as much as my birthday might be shit and I might let my expectations build me up only to be disappointed, the one thing that is mine and can only get better with each year is the choice to be sober. COVID might have fucked my birthday, my 30th, but it didn't take away my sobriety from me. And that is more important than any stupid present or cake. That's the end of this week's episode of Becky's Not Drinking Tonight. Thank you so much for joining in and I hope you enjoyed and most likely cringed at how white girl privilege some of my expectations and problems are in relation to my birthday. I admit I have a lot of shit I need to work through and I probably always will have that innate fight or flight attitude to most situations, particularly where my childhood trauma is brought up. And let's face it, my childhood birthdays were pretty chaotic. You know what, as long as I'm sober, I have more good memories to be made and only 13 or so years of bad memories that I need to move on from due to being drunk on my birthday. So that's it for another week. Make sure to like and subscribe and share the love around. And please join me in two weeks time for Becky's Not Drinking Tonight with Housemates. Also, happy birthday to anyone who's having a good birthday out there. Like my friend Shatika, whose birthday is on Monday. Until then, take care and please be safe.